the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're meeting the father of the bride here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Take a moment, join us, and be encouraged in Christ next. The Father of the Bride. That is exactly who we're meeting today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. But we're going to Genesis chapter 2 to do it. That gives us a better perspective on who the Father is and who the Bride is. Won't you join us? It's a very encouraging look at Genesis chapter 2 and how it plays out in your life and mine today. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's broadcast of truth for today. Genesis 2, God is going to fill in for us some details. He created man in his image. He says that in chapter 1. But now he's going to tell us how he did it and give us more detail. And we just simply want to look at the creation of Adam, how God did it, very straightforward and simple. And then we want to just simply, as we go in the narrative, see the place that God placed him to live. And in the midst of that place, look at all the provisions of God and consider the one prohibition of God. God's got a lot more provisions for us than he has prohibitions, but the devil makes you think everything is prohibited. God's given us more good things to enjoy than bad things to avoid. And so we want to look at that dynamic as we look in the narrative. And then we want to see how God came to the rescue of man when God determined it's not good for a man to be alone. And all the men said, Amen. And so we want to look at that and see what God did to cure the problem. He made a woe man. And uh, we'll look at that. (laughs) Some of this stuff is original. It just comes out of my soul. Uh, I've had it in there a long time. Carolyn told me, said, you're not going to say anything about me today, are you? I said, no, I'm just talking about a woman. And so, just if you're a woman, but you know, I'm just in the generic sense. Uh, verse 4 When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Here we see an aspect that in chapter 1, he said man was made in the image and likeness of God. So he's a divine image bearer. And of all things, we come over here and find out that man who's made a little bit lower than the angels, above the plant creation and above animal creation, And God of all places forms him out of the dust of the ground. 
Maybe it's this uh, divine image bearer is to always be aware of where he came from. That his physical composition is but dust. And he says in the curse in Genesis 3, from dust you came to dust you shall return. You've sinned in the fall and dust is your destiny. Dust you came out of by the hand of God. We're just made out of dust. We're not a deity. The subtle thing that's going on in all kinds of religions, and New Age epitomizes that theology in our culture, that the goal of Satan is not to get you to be as bad as you can be, but to convince you you have deity in you, and to convince you that you are deity. He doesn't want you to be bad. He wants you to think you're a God. No matter how religious you act, be the best you want if he can just convince us that we're gods and not mere creatures of the dust made to bear his image that we bear in our intellect, will, and emotions. And so we see the man very clearly. He just uses a potter's term. He forms it, yatsar. He, he forms it, shapes the clay. That's the substance of our creation, and he mentions that. Then he takes us to the garden where he puts man, and he puts him in a garden in the east, in Eden, in verse 8. God planted a garden. It later takes on its name as Eden, but it was in the region of Eden. And Eden is found to be among four rivers. Two, we don't know where they are anymore, but we know the Tigris and the Euphrates are still there. And so... To the east, east of what? Jerusalem. When you get Bible directions in the Bible, north, south, east, west, it's always from Jerusalem. And east becomes the land of bad things. It becomes the land of Babylon. It becomes the plains of Shinar where uh, Nebuchadnezzar sets up his idols in which the certain books of the Bible refute in the last days that Antichrist will even be in that area. But to the east, in a place called Eden, God planted a garden. And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The names of the first is the Pishon. It, it winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man... You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. What a great environment to be, an environment where trees growing, vegetation, water, this beautiful place. And God says, I put you there, Adam, to take care of it, which is interesting that work was not given to man as a curse. There was work to do even before the fall. I put you there, Adam, to tend the garden, to subdue it, to take good care of it. And uh, 
I would say this, that Christianity elevates work to nobility. Christianity elevates work. That there's nothing mundane that's done, not evil, but that's done for God. As basic as tending a garden. That's what I want you to do, Adam. You take care of it. You rule over it. But take care of the garden. And most of you probably don't even like gardening work. Some of you don't like work. And that's a problem. Because man has been created to work. It's one of the things built into him. And the men who tell me that when they're out of work, they say they tend to feel worthless and tend to get in more trouble in their mind when they're not doing something productive at any time. It's real tempting when you get laid off a job. What do you do with all your idle time? Man is at his best when he is working, doing that which God wants him to do. And it goes the chain of work all the way from tilling the soil, groundwork, all the way to being the ophthalmologist or the brain surgeon. It starts with our father, Adam, being the gardener, tending the soil. He says, I want you to take care of it for me. And uh, by the way, I've given you every tree, every tree there is in that garden, and you can eat from it, and you can enjoy it. It's all yours, except for one lousy solo tree. Don't eat it. Now, what would you do if you lived in the garden? If, if God told you don't eat a tree because when you eat it, you will die, would you not want to live on the edge of the garden and leave the tree in the middle? You wouldn't, would you? You sound guilty already. You'd move right up next to it. You would. History proves it because Adam acted for us. He did just what we would do. We were in his loins. We acted just like he acted. Guess what? He moves up to this tree and we'll find in chapter 3, the serpent meets them around the tree, and he sets up the temptation, and we'll deal with that later. But let me just deal with something that I think is interesting, that uh, what was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What, 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 was such, uh, what was the thing about it? Why did they want it? Why was it so offensive? Come on. Well, someone said the fruit was poisonous. There's nothing that says that. Why was the uh, prohibition followed with you shall surely die? In other words, I'm going to kill you if you eat of it. I mean, at least to a child, we'll spank you, but to kill them? This is serious. What was it? What was it? Most don't know. So let me tell you what five scholars say. And uh, I'll tell you what I favor. Uh, God puts this tree there, and these are the descriptions of it I have found. Kidner and Gispin, two scholars. Kidner is a great writer. Derek Kidner, read, read everything he writes. He says that uh, it's simply good and evil are the consequences of disobeying the commandment, so that if you eat of the tree, you're going to find out what's good and what's evil. Well, would they have not known what good was if they'd never eaten of it? I think they would have, definitely. And so I think uh, there's more to it than that's what you're going to find out, good and evil, if you eat. 
The second view is uh, some say moral discernment. And this view along with the fifth view is, I think, close to it. Knowing the difference between right and wrong. Some say they're going to get this discernment that's like God. Uh, a scholar by the name of Winfield said it was sexual knowledge. That if they eat of this tree, they'll gain sexual insight. And the whole narrative seems to be against that because God does not prohibit sexual knowledge. As a matter of fact, he makes man and woman to procreate and to be sexual beings without sin. So it doesn't seem to be, it will offer sexual knowledge. It seems a far-fetched view. Uh, some make it omniscience. That if they eat of this tree, they will enter into the realm of God, knowing everything about good and evil. Well, the weakness of the view is that after they ate of the tree, they didn't become omniscient. It didn't do that for them. Maybe they thought it would. And it could be argued on that end. Uh, the view that uh, Gordon Wenham in Word Commentary and a leading Jewish scholar, Casuto, uh, they argued for this view of it. And hear this, that what the tree offered was wisdom. It offered wisdom. It, walked, it offered insight. And at first that seemed so innocent a thing to prohibit but it was discernment and insight about what is good and wrong, independent of God. I'll find out for myself what is good. I'll find out for myself what is evil. And I'll determine that. And God has said in his word, I want to be the one that determines what is good for you. I want to be the one that determines what's bad for you, and I'll do it by divine revelation, not by human experience. And so the temptation is, you decide for yourself what's good and what's bad. Who is God to be telling me and prohibiting from me, knowing what's good for me, what's bad for me? And this very thesis, when Moses ends the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, he takes off of this same theme that God's law was given to us to determine what's good for us, to determine what's bad for us, and we let God settle that issue without us finding out for ourselves. Listen to what he says in Deuteronomy. Turn there to me, the fifth book, fifth book of the Old Testament. And you've got a Bible, don't you? Because we loaned you one. <laughs> Turn there. If you, uh, if you read chapters 26 to 27, you would discover a covenant he made with Israel known as the Palestinian covenant. It's beyond the covenant at Sinai. And in it, they got on the Mount of Ebal and Mount Gerizim. One mountain, they pronounced the blessings. The other, they pronounced the cursing. And he's telling Israel, if you'll do what I say, I will bless you. If you don't do what I say, I will curse you. And then he brings it to a close. And listen to what he says in verse 11, chapter 30. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask or who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. 
See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. From where? From my commandments. I've given you obey, you'll be blessed. Disobey, you'll be cursed. I've spelled out everything I want you to do that's good. I've pronounced everything to you that I consider evil and a curse is on it. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land. He swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What is the tree? We will look at it more, but we must just get a glimpse of what the temptation is and what's going on, why it brought the death penalty. To eat of the tree was to say, God and his revealed word isn't good enough for me about what's good for me and what's bad for me. I'll decide that for myself. I am autonomous. I make those decisions. God says, you make that decision and that attitude, and I will kill you. There's another Eden in the Bible. It's mentioned in Ezekiel 28. And there it's the king of Tyre being energized by a satanic being, Satan himself. But you have a human king. And he's beginning to describe his great downfall. And he says, your downfall has come from your exceeding great beauty and your great wisdom that has turned you into a god. You know everything you ought to do. You're wise about everything. You don't need the revealed will of God. You don't need God to tell you what's right and wrong. And God says, I am the only one who knows what's good and who's bad for you. I prohibit you having that privilege. And yet, in every life, the tree is there. God has said what's good for us about sex. He's put boundaries around it. He said, when we ought to do it, you ought to have it in marriage. You shouldn't do it before you get married. He's told us who we ought to marry. We ought to marry those of like faith. He's told us what we ought to do about our bodies, about our minds, what we can play with, what we can't play with. And when we obey his command, we know on his word what's good for us. And on his word, what's bad for us. But we enter into this, if it feels good, I'm going to do it. I know what's good for me. God says, no, you don't. Nobody's telling me what to do. If I like it, I'm doing it. God says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to let your sin kill you. I want it. I must take it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil that I will find out by experience 
Because I won't let God's revelation determine good and evil. You know why we want to kill young people? Hear me, young people. Because you're making the same stupid choice as we did. And you're acting just as stupid as we did. And we're hoping you get smarter. You would think you'd look at your parents' wounds and heartbreaks and not duplicate their folly, but follow their God. But every generation wants to eat of the tree for themselves. I know what I want for my life. This is a good choice. I want to get married to this person. I feel it. I'm in love. You are? How long have you known him? A week. What do you got in common? He makes out good. All right. What else? We're both alive. Okay. What else? I feel it. I feel in love. Well, honey, you can feel out of love as quick as you can feel in love. The one man that he said his heart was glued, David's son, he said he first of all loved her so much his heart was attached to her, and then when he raped her, he hated her. He couldn't leave her alone and set her up in the tent one day, and he raped her. But he says, then he hated her as strongly as he had loved her. One act of sex, he hated what he slept with. That's how quick you can hate what you loved. One time. But now we've destroyed a girl that was put into perpetual virginity, and her brother goes and kills the man. Unleashed all kinds of sin. But I know what's good for me. No, you don't. No, you don't. Admit you're a fool. Admit if you follow your glands or your brain, you're going to make stupid choices. You need divine revelation to tell you what's good. You need God's word to tell you what's bad. God won't be mocked by you treating him like a Johnny come late. You don't know what's good for me, God. I'll eat it. He said, the beginning of true wisdom is the fear of the Lord. If you'll fear me, I'll protect you. If you'll fear me, I'll protect you from the evil woman. He told the young man, I'll protect you from the drunkard. I'll protect you from an evil crowd that wants to slay somebody in chapter 1. If you come to my house, I'll have a feast called wisdom. But if you don't, in Proverbs 9, you'll go into the house of Mrs. Folly. But at her house, everybody dies. Because he serves Kool-Aid that kills you. And yet, I look around and the race is filled with asinine fools who are destroying their kids, destroying their marriages, destroying their health, destroying the family name because I want it and I know what's good for me. You're going to die. You're not only going to die, you're probably going to go to hell. Because until you come to revere God enough to do what he says, you're under the sentence of death. You're walking under a guillotine that will fall sooner or later. Until you turn to the Lord, you're under the sentence of death. And we'll see that this happens in chapter 3. They plunge the race into death. Because they want it. When they want it. How they want it. And they plunged us into eternal perdition if there had been no Jesus. And so it strips heaven of its fairest, Lord Jesus, to undo our stupid choice. 
It's our story. I'm talking about you and me. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Men, you are invited to join us here at Valley Bible Church for our 2023 men's conference. It's called Walking to Win. Are you mission-minded for the Lord? It'll all be surrounding John 9, verse 4. It takes place Friday, March 17th, 6 to 9 p.m. Check-in begins at 5.30. And then Saturday, March the 18th, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., Breakfast begins at 8 a.m. Lunch is served 12 to 1. Now the cost per attendee for the both days, $50 for men 18 and older, 25 for youth 12 to 17. It includes dinner Friday, breakfast, and lunch on Saturday. Again, that is Friday, March 17th, and Saturday, March 18th for the Valley Bible Church 2023 Men's Conference, Walking to Win, Are you mission-minded for the Lord? Call for details or stop by our website, valleybible.org. Our phone number is 510-799-3171. 510-799-3171. Guest speaker for our conference this year is Pastor Tony Arns, founding pastor of Folsom Bible Church. Join us for this year's Men's Bible Conference, Walking the Wind. And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.